Welcome to the PCTR Podcast. I'm Robbie Itterberg, Senior Pastor. I want to thank you for listening today. We hope that you hear from God and that this podcast encourages you in your faith journey. You can connect with us on social at facebook.com slash PCTRNJ or our Instagram handle, PCTRNJ. Or you can find more information or resources at PCTR.org. Have a great day. Peace. Well, at this time, it is my privilege and joy to, if you have not already met her, to introduce you to a good friend of mine and a very good friend of PCTR. This is the Reverend Teresa Swenson, and she is here to preach, to share the word with us this morning. And so let us, you can welcome her. It's okay. We can clap to say welcome and thank you. Thank you. So good to be back with you. For those of you that don't know me, I was the interim associate pastor here in 2018. So I got to know lots of you, and it's so good to see you all again and to be back and to see how the Lord is alive and well and at work among you all. Well, you might have noticed on your bulletin today that it says Easter number two. And so we are celebrating today. Many of you know that this is Easter Sunday for the Eastern Orthodox Church. They celebrate Easter a Sunday after we do, a week after we do. And of course, we're hearing about that because it's Easter in the Ukraine today, and that's on all of our hearts. But you may know that the the church, if you're in a liturgical church, actually celebrates seven Sundays of Easter, from the day of resurrection all the way to the day of Pentecost because we remember that our Lord, after he rose from the dead, that he was on the earth for 40 days and was seen by his disciples many times and was seen by over 500 people at once before he returned to heaven on the day we call Ascension Thursday. And so that means we have seven Sundays that we can say, the Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. I knew you would know. That's a wonderful thing that we can celebrate every Sunday. We can celebrate every day that Jesus is alive forevermore. But on five of those seven Sundays, if you're in a church that uses the lectionary, you might remember the lectionary is a three-year cycle of readings that are chosen to go along with different seasons in the life of the church. Five of those seven Sundays, the readings are from the book of Revelation. And I think that the book of Revelation is often a book that we're a little bit afraid of because we a little bit don't understand it. It's a little confusing to us. It speaks in language of symbols, and we feel like we always need a decoder to explain to us what could these things possibly mean. It's also the book that tells us of the culmination of all of human history when the Lord Jesus returns in power and glory. I like the story of a young man that was a new believer and he decided to read the book of Revelation first. He didn't know anything about the Bible, but he said, I'm going to read the last book first because I don't like suspense and I like to know what happens at the end, right? Some of you read your murder mysteries like that. Find out who did it first because we can't stand the suspense. So he was telling his pastor how this was his first excursion into the Bible. And his pastor said, how was that for you? What did you get out of that book? And he said, well, what I got is that God wins in the end. 
And if that's the only thing we get out of the book of Revelation, that's a really good thing to understand, that in all of human history, all of the evil and suffering and trouble that we see in this world will one day be defeated and God wins in the end. So why should we read the book of Revelation during the Easter season? Well, I think because it has these great worship scenes of the worship of the Lamb of God in heaven. All those great songs that we sing, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength, honor and glory and blessing, that all comes from the book of Revelation. You might remember that the book of Revelation was written maybe around 95 AD. So by the Apostle John, the one who calls himself the beloved, Christ's beloved disciple, the one who wrote the Gospel of John. And so of all the 12 apostles, you probably remember the 12 apostles all come to a violent death. They all are martyred, are put to death because of their faith in Christ, except John. John is the only one that lives to a ripe old age, lives into his 90s. And so it's about 60 years after the death of Christ that he's writing the book of Revelation. And he comes with messages, with a message from the Lord to the church. So let's just spend a little time today looking at Revelation chapter 1, and I'm starting in verse 4. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I am the first and the last. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and I am the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. This is the word of the Lord. 
Well, John begins with something we're familiar with now, which is authentication. Whenever you want to go on those websites that you don't go on very often, it asks you for your password, and you can't really remember which password did I use for this one. And then sometimes it asks you to verify that you are not a robot. Right? It gives you a picture, choose all the, the squares that have traffic lights, choose all the squares that have bicycles, and if you miss one, then you have to start all over again because you have to prove that you are a real person that has a right to this information. And so this is how John begins. It's really a three-part authentication. He wants us to be sure that he's giving us a message from the real God, the one true God. And so he tells us these three parts. This is the God who is, who was, and who is to come. So first part, authentication, is this is the God who is. He is alive. He is the faithful witness. Remember that Jesus said that I can do nothing on my own. All I do is to show you the Father. Jesus was that faithful witness to reveal to us who the Father really is. And the firstborn of the dead. Jesus is the very first one to be raised bodily from the dead. And the ruler of all the kings of the earth. This is the sovereign Lord of history, the one who reigns over all and the one who loves us. So not only this great and awesome God that rules over all, but the God who wants to be in relationship with us, who loves us right now, here today, the God who is. And then he says, second part of authentication, the God who was. Interesting thing about the Lord Jesus is though he was in very nature God, he took on human nature. And so he has a human history. That means that just like us, Jesus has a date of birth and a date of death. He had a limited time on this earth, and there were things he accomplished during that time on this earth. And so John says he's freed us by our sins, by his blood. Jesus says, I was dead. He experienced death just as we do. And he's made us a kingdom and priests to serve his God. So what's a kingdom except everyone that agrees that one person is their king and their sovereign and give their allegiance to that one entity? You notice how Many times when people in the Ukraine are being interviewed, they end by saying, glory to Ukraine. It's unusual to us, right? We don't think about giving glory in that way. But that's exactly what John is talking about. When we all agree that we give glory to one God, that makes us a kingdom and priests to serve that God. We've committed ourselves to serve one ruler. And so to him be glory and power. So the one who is, who was, and the one who is to come. He tells us he's coming in the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And who are those who pierced him except 
all of us for whom he died, for whom he was pierced, and that we will recognize him as King of kings and Lord of lords. So he's the God who is, who was, and who is to come. The Alpha and the Omega. Remember, that's the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. He's the A and the Z, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the eternal one, the mighty one. That's all just to establish the credentials that this message is really a message from the one true God. But John, unlike us, knew Jesus when he lived on this earth. And if you have anyone dear to you that's been gone for a long time, you remember how they were on this earth. And sometimes when you have been present when they died, it's very difficult to get that image out of your mind because you experience that time when their spirit left their body and the real person that you loved was not there with you anymore. So imagine that John has experienced all these things with the Lord Jesus. And so I think John might be wondering, because he hasn't seen Jesus in a long time, in 60 years, he must be wondering, what is he like now? What's he doing now? What does he look like now? We recently got a picture, cousin sent us a picture of my husband's great-grandparents in Sweden. And we had never seen this black and white picture. And we're asking this picture all these questions, like, who do they look like in the family? And what are they wearing? And where are they exactly? And what time period of this? And how did they feel about their children leaving them and leaving Sweden to come to the United States to make a new life where they never saw them again? Who were they? And what can we understand about who we are by looking at this picture of who they were? And that's exactly what John does for us in this book of Revelation. He gives us a picture, and I gave you a picture up there. That's one artist's representation of what John has described. And I think that we can ask this picture questions, just like we asked of our great-grandparents from Sweden. And John asks these same questions that we would ask, what does he look like? And the first thing he says is that he looks like a human being. He doesn't look like a superhero. He doesn't have five heads and ten eyes. He doesn't look strange. He looks like a human being. So this realization that Jesus was fully human and fully God. That dawned on the disciples gradually, you remember. But then when he is raised from the dead, they come to understand. So, so what does that mean for us? I, I heard an interview with Viola Davis a couple of days ago. You might know her. She's the actor. 
many other wonderful movies. And, and they were asking her, when did she realize that she could be an actor? And she said, well, the first time I saw someone like me, someone that looked like me, when I saw Cecily Tyson in the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman, then I realized someone like me could also be an actor. And so this is what John is realizing when he says, the God of heaven and earth, the Lord Jesus Christ, is someone he didn't put his humanity aside when he went back up to heaven. It's still someone that looks like you and looks like me that's in heaven interceding for us. And so the next question that John asks is, what is he wearing? Seems like a shallow question, doesn't it? But we like to ask that. I asked a few of our parents here this morning, what is your child wearing? Is that a, is that a gown that was handed on from, did your other children wear that first? Because what people are wearing tells us something about them, doesn't it? And so what is the Lord Jesus wearing? He's wearing a long robe with a golden sash, which would suggest the priesthood of the Lord Jesus and the royalty of the Lord Jesus. He's got white hair and blazing eyes and feet like bronze and a brilliant shining face from head to toe radiating light and strength and life. And then what is he holding? What's he holding in his hands? On the one hand, he's holding seven stars. And the scripture actually tells us the seven stars represent messengers to the churches. And then in his other hand, he's holding the keys. And those are the keys to death and hell. So he is holding the keys. He is the one who has authority. The one who has the keys is the one who has authority over death and hell. And so the thing that we all live in fear of, he says, I have authority over that. I am not untouched by what it means to be human and know that your time is limited. And that the days of our life the way that we die and the time that we die is all in the Lord's hands. He has the keys to death and to hell. What comes after death is that we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But Jesus said, the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment over to the Son. It's someone who looks like us, who is the one who understands all our frailties and is rich in mercy. He is the one who holds the keys. And then where is he standing? He's standing in the middle of seven lampstands, and those lampstands represent the churches. Because remember, Jesus said, I am the light of the world, but he said, you are the light of the world. And so the churches are always burning with the light of the world, always being light shining in a dark place. So what can we take away from this picture? I think two things. First, that 
Jesus is standing with us. One that comes and stands next to us is one who is for us. He never abandons us, and he says the gates of hell will not prevail against you. And then he's standing in the churches, so none of us are alone when we gather with each other. Jesus said, wherever two or three of you are gathered, there I am right in the middle of you. So he is standing with us when we gather together as the church. You know the church is not the building. It's the people that are called out to be worshipers of one Lord and King. So Jesus is standing with us. And the second thing I want us to see from this picture is that Jesus is speaking to us. It says he's got a voice like rushing waters, which means kind of like the thundering waterfall. And a double-edged sword is coming out of his mouth. The scripture tells us that it is the word of God that is like a double-edged sword that divides our thoughts and our spirit and our heart and challenges us. But what is he saying? He's speaking to us, but what is he saying? He's speaking words of comfort, words of confidence, and words of courage. First, words of comfort. He says, do not be afraid. John would have remembered all of the other times when he heard the Lord Jesus say, do not be afraid. Remember when they saw Jesus come walking on the water toward them in the midst of the storm, Jesus would say, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of me. And then do not be afraid of your life. And do not be afraid of your death. Because here are the words of confidence. He says, I'm the first and I'm the last. I know your beginning from your end. And I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forevermore. So take courage. I hold the keys to death and hell. I hold the keys to what comes after this life. And my Father's will is that anyone who looks to the Son and believes in him will have everlasting life, and I will raise them up on the last day. So I want to close today by telling you the story of a friend of mine, dear friend of mine who has now passed on to go on to be with the Lord. Her name was Anne, and she was an only child. And unlike these precious little ones that we have here today, um, her father abandoned her mother and her before she was born. And then it was just Anne and her mother for 10 years. And that was at a time when it was very difficult to be a single mother. And her mother had to work, but she and her mother were very close. And then her mother died when she was age 10. And she was taken in by some relatives who weren't that thrilled about having to take her in. And that didn't turn out so well. But she told me that she always knew she was not alone. She always understood that God 
was a father to the fatherless. And she always understood that God was with her. It wasn't until she was in her 40s that she came to the fullness of the understanding of salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. And the first verse that she learned was, I will never leave you or forsake you. And she said, that was something I knew from when I was 10 years old, but I didn't know the verse that said it, but I knew the truth of it because God was always with me. So we ended up in the same church, and we were both Bible teachers, and we taught together for many years. We taught the Monday night women's Bible study for many years, and we did lots of other things in the church together. We led retreats, and we had a great partnership together. She later moved to Florida and was diagnosed with cancer, and she, as, as you know, many people that suffer with that awful disease, um, she declined for about two years, and I went to visit her every three months at least. I would go down to visit. And when it was our very last visit together, we, we both kind of knew it was the last time that we were going to be together. And so I asked her, what was it that she was looking forward to when she went to heaven? Because of all the people I ever knew, Anne was the one that taught me that Jesus is standing with us. She was the one that always insisted that Jesus is right here, and he has a word for us right now, and he's speaking to us right now if we will listen for his voice. If I would go to her with a problem, she would, she would say, well, Jesus is right here, so let's ask him. What is he saying to you? And I would say, if I could figure that out, I wouldn't have to ask you. So you, tell, you help me hear what Jesus is saying to us, right? But she was always so sure that Jesus had a word. So I asked her, what are you looking forward to when you go to heaven? And she said, well, well of course I want to see my mother. But she said, I really want to see Jesus. And I'm wondering if you can get anywhere near him. I'm wondering if you can touch his face. I'm wondering if you can hold his hand. I'm wondering if you can get close enough to him to tell him that you love him. And I said to her, if you see Jesus before I do, you give him my love too. Jesus is the one who stands with us in this life, and when we cross over to the next life, he is standing with us. Jesus is the one who speaks to us here and tells us, I am the living one. Do not be afraid. I was dead, and I am alive forevermore, and because I live, you also will live. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you for this picture that you give us, that you are the one who is, who was, and who is to come, 
and that you are the Lord that has loved us with an everlasting love, that stands with us, that stands for us, that stands against all of the things that threaten us. And Lord, that you continue to speak to us. We remember you said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So I pray that as we have heard your word here this morning, that we might see you standing with us, and that we might hear your voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. In the name of our ever-living Savior, we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.